Welcome to Your Money Story. I am Dawn Thomas, a mother of three, financial advisor by day and a PhD candidate researching the superannuation experience of Generation Z. This podcast provides a platform for stories which are underrepresented. Everyone's money story is unique. My guests are people who conduct their lives with purpose, authenticity, and are not afraid to be different. They stand out within their industries for being themselves. I hope their journeys inspire you to harness your own gifts and talents. I am a believer in living your truth each day. Let's change how the story ends. In the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. The information discussed in this podcast does not take into account your personal and financial objectives and situation. Before acting on any information discussed here, you should consider its appropriateness, having regard for your objectives, needs and financial position. Cara Graham, welcome to this episode of Your Money Story. Thank you for having me. Bring it on. <laughs> Cara, I'm I'm so thrilled I get to do this with you a second time because I didn't quite do the episode that I wanted to do with you the last time. But I think as well, the timing is pretty good picking this up from the last time because there have been a few changes since we last spoke. Um, yeah. Can you let our listeners know how that's progressed since our very first recording um, of the episode? Um, well, in some ways, it feels like everything's changed. I yep. mean, we work together at the same company now. Um, <laughs> however, I am halfway through 12 months of parental leave. So I'm sort of, you know, there from afar. I come in for morning tea and <laughs> and then I leave you to do all the day-to-day work while I'm looking after my kids. <laughs> well, I, I, I can see from an unbiased viewpoint because quite often, you know, when I advisors pick up from other advisors, we, we go through their process. Even though I knew it before and being able to see how you've managed your client process, um, I do feel that you are definitely one of the best advisors in the country, though you may not say that about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say it for you. I mean, how do you feel hearing something like that? I mean, I certainly will say that there's part of me that loves hearing things like that. <laughs> but then there's also another part of me that, you know, is just wildly insecure as well. And, you know, I think that that a lot of us advisors, you know, whether it's male or whether it's female, whatever it might be, you know, we progress and we progress and we work really hard for our clients. But, you know, there can still be that level of insecurity that that's sort of underlying there, you know, I've got a weakness in this area or maybe I'm not as strong as that person in that. And, and it's just, um, I guess it's it's humbling to to sort of have some of these discussions because you realise that, you know, we all have our insecurities and, you know, again, I look at you and I in wonder at all the things that you achieve and you've shared some really vulnerable things with me as well, mm-hmm. you know, and I tend to feel that you're quite harsh on yourself sometimes, Don. <laughs> <Bon>, so... <laughs> No, that's a good point. I think we we genuinely want to grow or maybe we're very aware of our points of growth. It's not even fangirling on you anymore. Like it's it's really a really deep respect just based on 
like it's verified. So listeners, it's verified because I've I've seen it on the back end. I've seen it as well from clients. Um, and I'm I've got so much of admiration for you. Um, but if we're thinking, like someone described imposter syndrome as the inner mean girl that's in mm-hmm. our head. Um, being on parental leave at the moment, has the inner mean girl become meaner or has her voice become softer? I think it depends on what day or what time of day you're mm. talking to me because, yeah. you know, which is why it's so lovely to hear you say things like that because then then I can go, oh, I am really good at my job. That's right. <laughs> you know, I do still have that that part of me. But, you know, I'll certainly say that, you know, as the time that I've been away from the office is now getting longer, you know, I'm nearing the seven-month mark, that you know, there's definitely a part of me that, you know, will look at news headlines or look at the market or look at technology and go, oh, my God, I'm just getting more and more behind. You know, how am I possibly going to catch up when I when I get back? Uh, I feel that, you know, when I went on parental leave, I was probably peaking in terms of my confidence. You know, mm-hmm. some of the discussions that I was having with clients, uh, you know, around leaving, the gratitude that they were sharing with me, you know, being able to pass on my wealth of knowledge to, to you know, joining the business. You know, I really was feeling so good about my role in the business and, you know, it was so lovely. Like it was such a nice kind of period, as, <laughs> as hard as it was as well. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess it's probably a bit of an illusion that I'll just pick up exactly where I left off because things have moved on and things have changed. Um, and I'm sure I'll get there. I think that, you know, generally, um, you know, I mean, I think like a lot of, you know, a lot of people, I think I'm just a little bit of an insecure person and I feel comfortable to say that because mm. there's things that I know I do really well, but, um, you know, there's, there's always that inner mean girl, as you call it. She's, yep. she's always kind of lurking in the back of my head. I don't know how to get her to completely shut up, but, you know, just push her down a little bit. I'll, I'll work on that. I wouldn't have guessed for a second car because I think when you come off, I think, you're so confident, you know exactly what you're doing. Uh, the inner mean girl, does that raise its head with you being a parent? I'd probably say less so. And and maybe it's because I'm a second time parent, but experiencing a lot of first time mum stuff, mm. um, you know, so to speak, given that for anybody that doesn't know my story, um, I, my wife gave birth to our first daughter in 2020. So I kind of feel like I got this two-year transition into parental leave in a sense because I got to observe her and watch how she did it and I noticed some things that, you know, what I felt would work for me and some things that I went, you know, that worked for me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think I felt pretty confident going into, um, you know, this next phase of parental life in a yeah. sense um, from there. So I would probably say... You know, I feel pretty confident. And, I, and also, um, you know, I, I find looking after two kids really challenging. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I find when I've only got one child around, I'm like, this is so easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a point of comparison. That, that far. Yeah, that's yeah. It. You know, when I'm talking to a lot of first-time mums that only have one child and they talk about all their stresses and I'm like, oh, it just feels so much easier when there's only one child because having two is so hard. <laughs> your rise, if we think about the traditional sense of financial advice, um, you've hit all that points of success, traditional success. Top of your game, you bought into the business as well, were a partner, you're still a principal advisor. 
how did it feel to actually reach that traditional pinnacle? So if you know if you went to anyone around, they would be able to recognize that success. Yeah. I mean, it felt amazing. You know, I, I certainly wouldn't deny that for a second. I think, um, you know, reaching partner level, I guess what happens is that you get a lot of external recognition for all mm. of the work that you do. You know, in, internally, I feel like I'd always felt incredibly valued mm. and I knew that I was a very integral part, but sort of getting to that point and having that that title, let's call it, yes. um, it meant that, you know, every professional partner that I worked with knew that, that you know, I was a senior member of the team. I was, you know, I was at the top of my game in terms of business. Mm. So, you know, that was, was really nice. Um, you know, and, and again, just, I guess, having some of those conversations with different people, whether it's clients or whether it's professional partners and, you know, and talking to them about that transition, again, I think it just um, can gather and gain a little bit more respect for you within the, the organisation. So I think from that point of view, you know, that was something that I really loved about it. Your story goes further than that. Now you've reached, you've reached everything that, people will want to reach in terms of a traditional advisor pathway. Um, and you've decided to change that pathway moving forward, Cara. Can you tell us a bit about what happened in the last few years and what's caused that change? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I guess I bought into the business and, you know, achieved some of those traditional um, milestones, as we call mm. it. Yeah. And, and then I went through a really challenging phase of my life. Um, with, uh, you know, my dad getting quite ill, my mother-in-law passed away, I've, um, my brother is also quite ill, um, had two children, and it's just been, you know, some of the best and worst times of my life throughout those couple years. Mm-hmm. And I think that just really made me take stock of, you know, what was important. And, you know, as much as I was saying before, it was so nice to get that recognition from external partners what these, these experiences, these really tough experiences have taught me is that that's actually not what's most important to me. You know, I would much rather have slightly less responsibility, have more time with my family, be able to, to look after these family members that are unwell and, you know, my partner that's, that's lost her mum, um, you know, and look after my kids. You know, these are the things that, that just grow significantly in terms of, of where I wanted to allocate my time and, and almost like, you know, allocating my stress, you know, the, the stress that comes with, with managing a business and the stress that comes with managing a family. And, yeah. you know, it was just too much. Um, and I was just really kind of finding it quite challenging to, to sort of take on all of these pressures at once. So, you know, I knew that I had to make, make a change. And, um, you know, I felt quite self-conscious about it around the time. I didn't, you know, really want to make a big public announcement because, to be honest, I felt like people wouldn't understand. Mm. You know, I felt like people would think, you know, I wasn't dedicated or that the business wasn't important to me anymore or my clients weren't important to me, which was just not the case. It's not that it was less important. It was just that, you know, I needed to, in, in, a, in effect, prioritise my life, mm. prioritise my clients and, you know, leave the business running side of things to people that really wanted to, to take that and run with that. If, if that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It's really brave. And I liken it a lot to what Jacinda Arden did. You know, oh. um, 
you know, and you can tell even, you know, you've said that internally you've always feel valued, but there's an, always an external lens on what's going on. Um, you're still, like I said, you're still one of the best advisors um, possibly in the world. You know, let's, let's just say that. Um, they might be going a bit far, John. But that's I'll, all right. I'll take the, I'll take the compliment, okay? <laughs> um, come up, I suppose, because you are still working with different stakeholders outside to the business. How did you navigate that? Well, I guess, you know, we never sort of made uh, an announcement as such. Like, you know, okay. say when somebody becomes a partner, you've probably, you know, included in a newsletter or on LinkedIn or something along those lines. Whereas, you know, we made a, part, a sort of conscious decision not to do that in the reverse mm. because effectively, you know, my day-to-day role in terms of anyone external to didn't really change. Yes. You know, it was it was more that say some of my internal responsibilities were were different mm. um, from there. So you know, I was still working with clients. I was still working with professional partners. I was still working with you know the Association of Financial Advisors, and you know, yeah. doing all of those day to day things that that you know I do well and I like to do. Um, and 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 I guess you know naturally, it's kind of come up in through conversations and and things that you know that we've sort of shared with people over the time. But I guess we just sort of didn't feel that it needed to be like a, a hard and fast, you know, here's a line in the sand and, yeah. you know, we're on this side of the line now. It yeah. was more just a sort of slow transition in terms of just having those conversations naturally as they came mm. up. Because, you know, to external partners, it really didn't make any difference. This external perception, right, like you're saying, because we don't see it very often, like, you know, bring Jacinda into this as well. We don't see very often someone stepping down from prime ministership going, um, I've given the best in this particular capacity and I'm now going to be looking at different goals mm. uh, because not we don't see a lot of people actually doing it. So we kind of jump to, is there a reason that is negative about what's yeah. going on? And is understanding- there a sinister motivation there? Correct. Something bad happening. Something bad happened, right? So that's that's. <laughs> remember, I had contacted you about that because yeah. I was like, I was tossing up whether to come. You know, when I was deciding whether to join, um, I was like, is this a red flag or is this not? Because it's someone that I admire so much, and you just couldn't conceive the reason as to why someone just because we're programmed that way was so programmed on this traditional pathway of advice that it, we couldn't really conceive why someone would do that unless there's a negative reason if, if anything i've i've got more respect for you listening to where your impact can be made most and i think it's inspirational you know i just hope whoever's listening to this podcast just sheds a lot of that pressure that we're all under about having to chase someone else's expectation of success mm-hmm. um you are such an amazing role model for just being awesome but listening in to what you need for you and your family well, isn't, isn't that a lesson that we learn as we get older is that you just can't have it all. Mm. You know, you can have a lot, you know, and you can spread yourself out with many pots, but, you know, you can't necessarily have have everything that's mm. out there because, you know, a lot of the time when you, you spread yourself out so much, then you kind of do it all, you know, and I didn't want to do that. Yeah. That's not my style. No, you because you would never do half a job. Like you no. would do 100% whatever Definitely. you do. Um, so and to and to my own detriment, you know, yes. <laughs> you know, since having your two beautiful girls coming to the picture, has that changed you 
as an advisor in terms of how you approach the client process? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's changed me, but I will certainly say it's made me more aware. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it sort of certainly made me, um, you know, more aware of how time-consuming it can be. I mean, you know, I recall, you know, I think probably like eight or nine years ago working with, um, you know, a beautiful family and they were about to have their first child at the time. They were setting up a business, you know, right as they were about to be, you know, birthing this, this beautiful little girl. And, and I remember, you know, even thinking right back then before I had kids, you know, I'm not really sure that your ideals now and your ideals post-birth are really going to match. And, you know, mm. lo and behold, they had this child and went, no, we don't want this business. And we're beautiful. But, you know, for another family, it might have gone in a different direction. And I think that that's probably something that I've just become so much more aware about as well as you almost want to prepare for a few different scenarios because then you can go with the flow mm-hmm. a little bit in terms of what you or your family or your baby or whatever it might be needs. Um, and that was so, certainly something that me and my wife really did prioritise and talk about a lot, you know, when we were sort of first starting our family in 2020. And, again, you know, with our second child in 2022, is to say, well, you know, we wanted, you know, we knew we wanted to have at least two children. You know, we knew that, um, you know, we both, you know, wanted to look after our careers. Um, from there but we also never wanted to kind of feel trapped you know feel mm. trapped in in a situation or a role or um, you know an employment situation we wanted to kind of have some options to go well if this doesn't quite work you know we need to be able to pivot yes. and I almost think that that's such a such an important part of any plan is to kind of have some backups in there and go uh, you know let's be able to change it and you know in fact that is actually what happened you know with me and my wife because she um didn't want to return to her job after mm. her maternity leave. I guess it wasn't a family-friendly job. You're very structured and you plan, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So it, in terms of being able to do 12 months of parental leave, you know, being able to support that change of the employment set up between um, you and Jazz, what kind of planning was involved on your end to do this? You know, we probably started in a sense, planning to have kids, you know, maybe at least five years before we actually had kids, mm. which, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily have that that kind of time frame. But I guess for us, you know, being a same-sex couple, we always knew that, um, you know, money was going to be involved, you know, mm. because we were going to need to, you know, sort of buy the goods, so to speak, um, you, know, you know, be able to access, you know, the best clinics and things like that. And... And so we always kind of had a plan about saving up for, you know, the actual fertility treatments um, from there. And I think also just because, you know, being a same-sex couple and knowing that we're going to have to challenge some of those hurdles just kind of got us thinking thinking about managing some of those priorities. So, you know, closer to the, to the time within a couple of years, um, you know, looking at where, where our incomes were at the time as well, is really assessing, okay, well, how would it look if we weren't receiving as much employment, um, you know, from there? Mm. So, you know, you can do that really simply just in a spreadsheet. You know, I think that every family should have some kind of expenditure review or budget spreadsheet. You know, I think that that um, is a relatively simple thing you can do. You know, there's lots of templates and examples online that people can have. And then it's just a matter of kind of playing around with some of the figures and going, 
you know, what we were sort of doing is going, okay, well, let's take that component out or let's reduce that out. Okay, if there's a shortfall, uh, you know, for our income over that time, how are we going to fill that? Or are we comfortable to dip into our reserves over that mm. time? And I think that that is kind of an important part of the planning as well, is that there's stages of your life where you're getting ahead financially, the stages of your life where you're kind of probably stagnating, the stages where you might go backwards as well. And, mm. you know, I think that that's okay. You know, it's okay to kind of go backwards financially for a period of time. You obviously just can't stagnate or go backwards for an extended period yeah. um, from there. And, you know, it can, can liken it to, you know, you're saving up and then you buy a car. You're going backwards. Yes, you've got the car, but it's a depreciating asset. You're still going backwards, you know, mm-hmm. in that sense. Whereas, you know, so taking extended leave, you're just doing that over a slower period of time. But for some reason, I feel that people... Um, people view it very differently. You know, that people people don't view that investment in your family the same as they would like an investment into, you know, a particular asset, even if it's a depreciated one. Yeah. And, you know, for us in the discussions that we were having, that felt like a really important investment, you know, and right now being being in it in the midst is a really important investment. You know, I've absolutely loved this time with my kids and with my family. Like it's actually been even better than I thought it would be. You know, I I certainly had, um, you know, being a slightly insecure person, I certainly had some insecurities going into my leave and thinking, am I going to hate it? Am I going to get really sick of my kids and just be like, get out of here? And and to be be honest, people at the office are saying, yeah, you'll be back. Like you won't make it. Because... They, they knew how dedicated I was to my job. And, you know, again, it's not to say that I'm not dedicated, but I just have loved this this time and it's been so valuable and just to experience this different pace of life um, where, you know, in a way, you know, you're still, I'm still working probably the same amount of hours I would have added for a full-time job. It's just spread out over the day differently mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> because, you know, you might get a bit of downtime in the middle of the day, but then, you know, you're up in the middle of the night or you're up insanely early or whatever it might be. So, you know, just to kind of have that that opportunity has been so, so special. But, yeah, I mean, it, you know, we, Jazz and I, we did sort of sit down and we talked about our, essentially, you know, we had a bit of a five, five to ten-year plan, you know, and there was a few components of that. Um, for example, like, you know, we've always wanted to upgrade our home and mm-hmm. one of our decisions in our family planning was that we wouldn't for the next five to ten years because we wanted to prioritise um, having, you know, having a smaller mortgage and working less as opposed to having a bigger workage, a bigger mortgage rather and us working more. Um, and then another, another thing that we also did was that we assessed our assets. And uh, in 2022, we actually sold one of our investment properties mm-hmm. because we just wanted to simplify things, have one less thing on in our mental space, um, you know, reduce out some of our debt, which in retrospect with rising interest rates, I'm glad that we made yeah. that decision as well because it's just taken so much stress off this period of time. Um, so I think there's some, you know, bigger picture planning and lifestyle type things to plan for. But then there's also, you know, specific individual financial decisions as well that you really need to look at and go, well, how am I spending my money? Mm-hmm. You know, and even, um, you know, for example, um, 
you know, kind of looking and going, okay, well, you know, how do I want to kind of prioritise and say like something that, that I sort of tend to, to focus on is like say meal prepping to reduce some of those kind of household and grocery costs. But then I still want to make sure that I've got a coffee budget because mm-hmm. like for me, that's a really social thing. You know, and I can go out and go for a walk and grab a coffee and catch up with a friend and, you know, get out of the house and <laughs> things like that. There was planning there that you both did, um, but it was also the prioritising of what was important. So you both had that agreement on priorities and and it felt like I suppose you're not giving up something as opposed to you're actually gaining something, like you've gained oh. this time with your family. Um, and seeing you come in as well, when you do pop by the office, you look so content. It's, um, <laughs> you're just smiling. Um, you know, Marlo only has eyes for you. And, and, and that's beautiful to see because um, you're not just defined by this super successful role of being an industry leader in advice. Definitely walking your own path. Thank you. It's always nice to talk to you. It's made me feel so good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I say no lies. <laughs> where do you where do you see yourself? Where do you think you might want to end up? See, this is a really hard question to answer. And I feel like it's <laughs> it's, it's probably because, you know, we've spent so long, you know, so much kind of time and energy planning towards this phase of life. And now we're in it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's beautiful and I, you know, I love it. You know, I don't love every minute of it, but I, I love the majority yeah. of it. <laughs> and it's probably time to sit down and really take scope of, okay, what is the next thing? Because, you know, we've been focusing on this a lot, mm-hmm. uh, this period rather. And, you know, if I make that time frame a little bit shorter, you know, if I focus in more on the next, say, five years or, or so, then certainly the goal is still to work less. Uh, in that sense, or or maybe to phrase it a different way, not work full time. Mm-hmm. And so you say like a you know traditional family setting, you know you might have you know say one partner that works full time and another partner that you know maybe doesn't work or works part time. Whereas for us, what we want to have with our family is for us both to be working part time, say both you know three or four days a week, something to that effect. Um, you know, and the reason why that feels important to us is, is you know, it's better um, career-wise. We both get to retain and work on our careers um, rather than focusing on one and shelving, you know, slowing down another. Um, it's actually also better tax-wise as well because rather than having one high-income earner and one low-income earner, you've got, you know, two moderate ones. Um, so that sort of felt important. But then, you know, most importantly, then we both get to have that strong time and connection with our girls. You know, we don't, um, you know, I guess this is the benefit of being a same-sex family is you can kind of look at that traditional family unit and be like, oh, I like that, let's take that. And I don't like that so much, so let's shelf it from there. And, and you know, for us, I guess our both kind of being a primary um, you know, kind of parent that both felt really important to us. You know, neither of us kind of wanted to to give up that opportunity. Like even a silly example is, um, you know, a lot of same-sex parents, like one might be mummy and the other might be mum, whereas both of us when we first had our daughter were like, I want to be mummy. No, I want to be mummy. <laughs> and so we've never differentiated names. 
yeah. you know, in our family group because we both went, you know, this is important for both of us. Okay, well, let's just make it work for both yeah. of us rather yeah. than to go, okay, well, you have this and I'll have that. Right, so. so how does it work with the girls then? How do, how well, they, well like, I mean, Marlo's only six months and so yeah. she can't talk yet, yeah. <laughs> so that's fine. But say Willa, who's two and a half, she just calls us a variety of names. So we're mummy, mum, mama, um, even because we call each other babe. Yeah. She calls us babe sometimes <laughs> as well because she just grabs onto that. And so sometimes she'll say, I want mummy, and then we'll go, me mummy or other mummy? Yeah. And she'll go, she'll like, you know, point or, or things. And so, you know, it's it, it, for us right now it's working. And, if it, you know, some say she decides to call us different things, and that's fine. You know, that's her yeah. prerogative to do what she wants. Um, but, yeah, we just never differentiated names, and so we just kind of go with it, which is, you know, kind of cute. Nice. You just you just you're seeing where life takes you with this. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's that's nice to be able to surrender to it, right? Because yeah, a yeah. lot of this, you know, whether we're talking about works and traditional idea of success, you're right. They are traditional norms to family as well, um, and you're kind of you're you're breaking uh, those expectations on on both sides. In terms of your tips, like sitting sitting in the place of someone that has gone through growing a family and now being on parental leave? Firstly, having that long-term plan. So mm-hmm. kind of thinking thinking around the things that you want to achieve and you might not necessarily want to get the timing right or the exact pathway right because basic life just, just happens. Um, but, you know, I guess if you can kind of look at each step and maybe think about some of the actions that need to be taken to achieve it but also some of the hurdles that, that you might face as well um, from there. So, you know, I, I like I would say, you know, a hurdle might be, um, or rather, you know, it might be just kind of understanding, you know, what are some of your options in terms of your your income as well. You know, what what leave benefits are you going to be getting? Um, mm. What other income sources can you be setting up for your family over that time? From there, and and I think, you know, just being really transparent as a family, you know, with partner as well around what your expectations are. I was actually chatting to a friend the other day who's also on maternity leave and she she said to me um my you know parental leave benefits are about to end so I need to go back to work otherwise I have to ask my husband for money Mm. and I was a bit kind of you know taken aback um you know by by the comment um because I thought that's so um different to my family you know, in that sense, just the way that we sort of share money and, uh, you know, and kind of have always managed that and sort of, you know, view each of our employment as a resource mm. to the family as opposed to this is mine and this is yours. And, um, you know, I certainly think that it's important to have some of your own money, you know, from a, you know, especially for women as a financial security point of view, if there is any, ever any, you know, domestic violence issues or, mm. or things like those lines, you need to have some of your own resources. I think that it shouldn't be a this is mine and this is yours, or at least the majority of it shouldn't be like that. I guess it was a good reminder that not every couple really talks about their finances or shares things, um, you, you know, in such a way or shares things in, in an equitable way mm. because equity isn't necessarily, say, 50-50. You know, it might be, um, you know, something that, you know, I've often observed in a family group is, say, you know, one parent does spend more, um, you know, or does have a higher sort of spending capacity because they might be 
you know, looking after different things in the household or looking after mm-hmm. children. I just have different personality types yeah. as well from there. So I think it was it was kind of interesting to observe that and kind of just so yeah, a good reminder that that, you know, I think before going into these big life decisions, making sure that, you know, you're not necessarily feeling beholden. Yes. And I think again, it's it's those traditional expectations, right? Of um, how we value as well someone who has taken time off work versus the person who is in paid employment. Yeah. Um, it is a reality that, you know, superannuation demonstrates how we undervalue women because of the, you know, the time that they have taken off to do unpaid caring work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I think it's so refreshing to hear that money relationship you even have at home. Um, because I think for some people, it's an impossibility. They couldn't even think that something like that could exist. Mm. Um, and with you being a financial advisor and being so structured, how do you bring the wife, Jazz, into the conversation so she feels like she has an equal say in those conversations happening at home, you know, not being a financial advisor uh, and not having the same skill set that you have? I mean, I firstly probably say that, um, you know, I'm not perfect in that sense. You know, we still they probably disagree sometimes or mm. maybe I get a little frustrated sometimes, but I think, you know, overall it's really just about transparency and having open discussions, not me making decisions and then telling Jazz, but rather say, you know, me, you know, a, a pathway that I think would work best for our, for our family and discussing it and then us both agreeing on the path. Because, you know, as a financial advisor, you know, particularly like as a female advisor, I worked with a lot of women, a lot of, um, you know, women that have been divorced or had partners that are now deceased. And you just witness so often how in the dark they were in the finance, you know, how much they really just went, well, that's that's what, you know, they do, um, you know, and I did other, other stuff. And so I think it's just a matter of kind of being more equal in the finances. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you might have one person that's more dominant and, you know, happily put my hand up, I think it's probably pretty obvious, I'm, I'm a little bit more dominant and I'm happy to kind of take the charge. Um, but, you know, I think it's it should be more like a, you know, 60, 40, 70, 30 kind of split as opposed to, you know, 100 and or 90, 10 or something, that, that relation. Overall, it, it's just about having those conversations, being transparent, you know, talking it through that we have. Like, you know, for example, sometimes, we've all experienced this like our mum or dad tells us something and we go yeah yeah whatever mum and dad you know I'm not listening to you and then you know a friend or someone that you really respect comes in and they say the exact same thing and you go please and I did not know that and and we've certainly in my relationship we've certainly had those moments where you know Jazz has come and told me something on I've literally been saying that to you. <laughs> and that's why I go back to we're not perfect. You know, yeah. we still have disagreements and arguments and things along those lines. But, you know, sometimes that's when you might need a third party to come in. Um, you know, I have had um, a client in, in the past. She was a financial advisor and, and my job was really to, you know, be the person that is bringing the partner in as well. Yes. Um, you know, and it's the same, you know, with, with any kind of professional work is that, you know, don't go and see your accountant, your mortgage broker, your lawyer, your financial advisor as one. Do it together yeah. because they're both part of it. 
You know, it's mm-hmm. not about someone just um, making those decisions. You can take the lead, but you need to bring them along for the journey. It's wonderful to hear that you're really enjoying the time that you have with your family. Uh, we really do appreciate you coming on your money story. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Always lovely to chat to all. <laughs> Subscribe now to be notified of new episodes. Let's change how the story ends. The information discussed in this episode includes strategies that are general in nature, as everyone's situation is different and the information discussed does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should always seek personal advice in regards to your own personal circumstances.